What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Sanderson Farms Championship. Right back at it after a President's Cup, which went pretty well, right? Tom Kim was great. Max Homa was great. The usual suspects in Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas were all great. I had a decent week, and based on the screenshots that I saw that were tweeted at me, I, I think a lot of people did as well. Uh, back to a full field uh, cut event this week, which is always fun. We're going to the country club of Jackson, and we've got a handful of golfers who did play the President's Cup last week teeing it up. So we're going to go through the golf course. We're going to go through the key stats. We'll look at every tier of DraftKings pricing and take a, a very data-driven approach at this week's Sanderson Farms. Let's get after it. Here's the golf course, the country club of Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi. What you'll note about uh, the key stats, which is a calculation that I run that looks at the last you know dozen years of data for each golf course compared to uh, the, the strengths of each golfer for that year, and it finds out what stats are highly correlated to success. There's kind of two for me that stand out in a big way. There's strokes gained approach, which is always important, but it ranks 11th out of 43, which means there's only 10 other courses on the PGA Tour schedule in which strokes gained approach is more correlated to success. And then strokes gained putting, um, fourth, which means there's only three other courses on the PGA Tour schedule in which strokes gained putting is more correlated with success. It doesn't take much to, to realize like, Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. What does Sam Burns do very well? Uh, he hits his second shot well, and he putts well. Uh, that's like his strong suit. He's great at everything, but you know, in theory, that's what you want to boil it down to. So those are the two things we're going to be looking at the most this week. There is uh, sizable greens here, right? 6,200 square feet on average. That's larger than the PGA Tour average. So it kind of makes sense that strokes gained approach being a much better stat than, for example, greens and regulation. You know, greens and regulation, you could be 50 feet away on every single birdie putt. That That's not really going to, to help you around the country club of Jackson, but being able to get it dialed in, be on the right level, give yourself the right look at it, and then roll enough of those putts in has been the successful path to victory, or at least towards the top of the board at the country club of Jackson. Uh, they're Bermuda greens. It's actually either Bermuda or Zoysia throughout. Uh, the T's have a, a, a Zoysia Bermuda mix. The rough's two inches at start of week, so it's not going to be incredibly penal. So I think what we're going to see when we do go to the cheat sheet, when we do go to um, the, especially the top of it, there's a handful of guys that I'm 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 quite excited about. I think the top of the board is going to be pretty pretty heavily owned this week. Let's take let's take a look at that cheat sheet. All the data, everything you see is from my website. It's rickrungood.com. Uh, you should go sign up for it. It's a giant golf database. I love it. Uh, you probably will too. Okay, top of the board, the 10K range. Sam Burns, Sahith Tagala, JT Post, and Russell Henley. That's not a name we've heard a lot as of late. Uh, let's start with Sam Burns. He's not only the defending champion, but we saw him in action last week. If you're looking at the cheat sheet, you will see the President's Cup in there. So Sam Burns is going to get credit for a, a one in the President's Cup. Uh, guys that did not, like guys that were on the international team, like Christian Bezano, they're going to have a two there. So... Uh, don't get confused. I mean, yeah, technically, Bazaden Hote finished second, but it was out of two teams. But I did want the ability to show you that 
those guys played last week, right? Which I think is important. I'm trying to build a database that is all encompassing across six tours and international team events. If they played, I want you to have access to it. So Sam Burns, our defending champion. There's kind of a lot to unravel here. Uh, Sam Burns at the end of last season did not play particularly well. He didn't drive it well. The approach game got a little bit worse. The putter was still there, all fine and dandy. If you look beyond his record at the President's Cup, I think most people would say Sam Burns was one of the best players for the U.S. last week. He was dialed in. He was rolling in putts from all over the place. He was hitting some of these long iron shots. And and even like, I mean, I saw him hit a five a five wood that that landed like a butterfly with sore feet, right? I mean, it was just, it was angelic. So I think Sam Burns passed the eye test last week, uh, played all five sessions, played well, gets to go back to the country club of Jackson where he's defending and it fits his skill set. He's a, he's a great iron player when he's on. He's a great putter when he's on. We have seen uh, the last 12 months have been basically the chalkiest stretch of golf since I started doing this. So we're probably talking five, six, geez, maybe even seven years, at least that I can remember. And I went back and I ran the data. It's been incredibly chalky. You could argue that is because the live guys who left kind of filled up that middle of the board. And now the middle of the board is kind of gone. So the top of the board is able to kind of feast a little bit more. Uh, Max Homa obviously successfully defended at the Fortinet, the first event of this season. There were five successful title defenses last year. That was the most in 15 years. If you look at uh, the expensive golfers and you look at the highly owned golfers, they outperformed basically any year that I had in my database in 2022. I think we are still in that stretch. I think the top of the board, Sam Burns, Sahith, even JT Poston, Sebastian Munoz, Taylor Montgomery, like these guys are eating up a hell of a lot of the win equity. I'm going to try to probably get as much exposure to those guys as I can. So it starts with Sam Burns. Uh, Sahith is next. And if you look at his recent results here, you're going to see. He finishes sixth at the Fortinet, gets off to a great start there, struggled at the Tour Championship, but was great in the playoffs besides that. What does Sahith do well? Does he fit around uh, the country club of Jackson? And the answer is, like, kind of, right? I mean, he is one of the more volatile golfers that we have. He's gained strokes on approach basically every other event going back his last eight events. Same thing with the putter. We've seen the putter get hot. He's gained at least two and a half strokes in four out of his last five. That's a really good sign. Um, he can drive it really well. He can drive it really poorly. He's just kind of all over the place. So if you're looking for this type of volatility, Sahith is very interesting. You know, I got a lot of tweets. I, I do. I like to follow this. Like, hey, if you if you just bet the same golfer every single time you teed it up, like, would that be a good idea or a bad idea? And I get a lot of questions like, hey, Rick, it's a new season. I'm I'm starting to do this. I want to do this. Is Sahith a good option? I think he kind of is, right? Um, you're going to get outside of this week, you're going to get really good odds on him most weeks, especially as these fields get stronger. And I don't think he's going to be overmatched when fields get stronger, right? The, this is a guy who probably should have won in Phoenix, got a little bit unlucky, hit a couple of bad shots coming down the stretch, but probably should have won and definitely could have won. Now he finished eighth here. Last year, missed the cut the year before, a much more volatile option than someone like a JT Poston, who's 10,200, who has just been much more consistent, right? He wins the John Deere Classic. He finishes 15th at the Tour Championship. He finished third here in 2021. Um, th this is a guy who 
does the two things well that you're looking for. He hits his uh, irons well and he putts well, right? And that's that's kind of the combination around this place. He can heat it up in a moment's notice, which leaves us with Russell Henley, which is not a name we've spent a lot of time talking about. Where has Russell Henley been? What has Russell Henley been up to? Let's let's find out here. Um, well, he had a good. I mean, this is a pretty good finish to the season, right? He finishes T10 at the Rocket Mortgage, T5 at the Wyndham. He missed the cut in Memphis at the playoff event, but then he finished T35, which is about middle of the pack at the BMW Championship. And it's good to see this, the ball striking comeback. That's what you were really, really worried about with Russell Henley is there was a stretch of golf, especially here uh, during major champion. I mean, the major championships, he was pretty bad, uh, at least in the ball striking categories. And that is so unheard of for Russell Henley. So nice to see that he's back there, but he's completely lost the putter. Now I could argue, and I think the way that you'd like to look at this is when a guy is as bad with the putter as Russell Henley has been, uh, and you get a stoppage, an end of the season stoppage, like it's been five weeks since we've seen Russell Henley play you got to believe he's going to get this ironed out, right? He's go- he's probably gone home to Georgia, and he's probably worked hard to figure out whatever was going on in this putting stroke. Because it's not like he's been a good putter, but he certainly hasn't been this bad. If we go to the trends tool, I bet you he's one of like the prime breakout candidates. Uh, who am I looking for? Russell Henley. Where are you, Russell? Okay, he's right here. So he's kind of in that... He's kind of in that right quadrant that you want, the correct quadrant that you want to be in, which is pretty good tee to green play and putting below his below his baseline. Um, if you go and actually look at the power rankings, Russell Henley, believe it or not, over the last 36 rounds is the best of anyone not named Scott Stallings over $9,000, right? He's still gaining over three quarters of a stroke in the ball striking categories over his last 36. That's a pretty great sign. You can see he's been one of the worst putters that we have losing a half a stroke per round. But what's, what is Russell Henley's 100 round baseline in terms of, of putting like when a hundred rounds, I think is that's what you are as a golfer. And Henley is a, a minus 0.2. So he is a third of a stroke per round worse in his last 36 than he is basically to his 100 round baseline. So I would argue we're likely to see some positive regression here, which is in the to the tune of about a third of a stroke per round, which over four rounds is what? 1.2 strokes, 1.25 strokes, something like that. So um, I think this is a pretty interesting spot to roll out Russell Henley if you want to be a little bit different. There are cases to be made for Sam Burns and Sahith and, and JT Poston. There's not as as much case to be, uh, not as big of a case to be made for Russell Henley who has, you know, no real recent history at this event to be, to be, um, spoken for that you could be buying a stock low and kind of getting it as it's as it's bouncing back that that's the way that Russell Henley feels to me the 9k range yeah like fire up all these guys right Danny McCarthy's been awesome at the country club of Jackson he had a decent stretch at the end of uh last year where he had top 30s in each of the two playoff events that he qualified for he did not make the tour championship and then he finished 25th at the Fortnite Sebastian Munoz was maybe the best player for the internationals last week right two and a half points I don't think he lost a match I think he was 2-0-1 and can get hot 
oh, by the way, he's won this event before. Won it in 2020, right? So, like, Munoz, back baby. Let's go. Taylor Montgomery's probably going to be the most popular one here. He's got a stretch of five consecutive top nine finishes across the Corn Ferry Tour from last year and the third place finish at the Fortinet. He is long. He putts it well. I'm very excited about him for the upcoming season. Like, he's going to be more popular than the rest of these guys. The one guy that I want to spend a little bit of time on is Scott Stallings. You know, we should not forget Scott Stallings. It'll be easy to play two guys in the 9K range, but I do think that if you're going to play Taylor Montgomery, which a lot of people are, and you're looking for a second guy in the 9K range, it's easy to say Munoz, past champion, who's playing well. It's easy to say Denny McCarthy, four straight top 20s at this event, and he's playing well. Uh, Scott Stallings is probably the third guy on that list that you would want to kind of combine with Taylor Montgomery, but look at what Scott Stallings has done. His week at the Tour Championship was horrendous. It was the fourth worst week he has ever put together on the PGA Tour, and Scott Songs has been around for a very long time. You can see, horrible. Lost 12.8 strokes on approach. Like, I don't know what happened. I could not have imagined anything possibly worse for him. Um, however, that's not really Scott Stallings, right? You look at the rest of his game. Coming down the stretch from the Charles Schwab Challenge, he was phenomenal on approach. He piled up one, two, three, four, five, six top 15 finishes in his last 10 starts, including the horrendous tour championship. What does he do well? Putts well. Hits his approach as well. Drives it okay at times. Around the green game, slightly positive. But he does the two things that we would want to find success at. Savvy vet. How has he played around the country club of Jackson? He had a sixth place finish here in 2021. Missed the cut in 2022. I don't know. This feels like, again, kind of an interesting buy low spot. If we look at if we look at everybody in this field and do... Oh, let's do last 36 um, on approach. Where does Scott Stallings rate? Um, fifth, sixth, sixth. And a lot of these guys, these are not all guys. Actually, he's the best in terms of guys who have 36 PGA Tour rounds. These other guys don't have 36 PGA Tour rounds. They might have six PGA Tour rounds, 30 Corn Ferry rounds, for example. So Scott Songs is basically the number one approach player over the last 36, including the four worst rounds of his career, right? I, I think that's a that's a pretty good positive, isn't it? If, if you remove the tour championship, he's just head and shoulders above everybody else. So I'll be interested to see how the um, industry deals with the 9K range. I suspect it is a lot of Taylor Montgomery and then maybe someone else. I don't think Scott Stallings is in line to be the first someone else. So it's interesting. We'll see. Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, Rick Rungood YouTube channel on the live chat. Um, we'll certainly know more about ownership and kind of can make some decisions from there because there's also more interesting options. You know, Note, who played well uh, last week at the President's Cup and finished 12th at the BMW Championship. Like, he's here. Emiliano Grillo, someone who has figured out the putter who I'm very bullish on for the next... I don't know, until he stops putting well. Uh, Davis Riley, up and coming, really great time. I mean, the 9K range is phenomenal. I think a lot of our decision-making process will be helped when, when we know what that ownership or when we can start projecting that ownership, which we should know, um, you know, Tuesday morning, uh, and then obviously it'll become more mature on Wednesday during the live chat.
I want to take a second to talk about Athletic Greens, which has become a staple in my daily routine. And for those of you who have been following for a while, you know that I take gut health very seriously. So I started taking AG1 as an attempt to get everything down there under control. And I've been taking it for a few weeks and I feel much better throughout the day. I'm having way less acid reflux and I've been able to stay focused for longer when I'm sitting in front of a computer. It's one scoop of a green drink that I take first thing in the morning. And I know what you're thinking, a green drink? Like, trust me, I've, I've tried all of them and most have a chalky or a chunky taste to them, which is not great. Most smell horrible. I'll, I'll admit all of that. Uh, athletic greens for me bucks that trend. It's smooth. There's, there's no chunks. The smell is, is just fine. And it's easy enough for me to get, get it down when I take it at 530 in the morning. It's legit 75 high quality vitamins, probiotics and adaptogens. So it's no surprise that I'm actually feeling better. And when I rattle off the benefits, it sounds like it's going to be really expensive. Uh, it's quite reasonable. It comes out to about $3 a day. And I tell my wife all the time, there is no price that I wouldn't pay to feel good, especially gut stuff, because it controls so much other things that go on in your body. So imagine paying $3 a day to feel good. That's some of the best ROI I could ever imagine. Um, so if you want to get involved, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of um, immune-supporting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. Uh, visit athleticgreens.com slash 300 yards. Again, that's athleticgreens.com 300 yards to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. If you're finding this at all helpful, do me a favor, hit the like button, make sure you're subscribed to this channel, help, help the movement here. You know, I, I know it's the, the stuff that creators always ask for, but it really does go a long way and I can continue to do more and interesting stuff um, if this continues to grow. And if you're watching on YouTube, there is also an audio version that you can get on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. There's a link in the description. If you leave a rating, that'd be that'd be great as well. The 8K range, uh, kind of a small little range. Starts with Sepp Straka, goes down to Wyndham Clark. We have to talk about Thomas Dietrich. You know, Thomas Dietrich is a guy that got his card for this year via the top 50 of the Corn Ferry Tour last year, and it's a name you're going to be seeing a lot more of. And because he's been playing across, I mean, his last three events, One's on the PGA Tour, one's on the European Tour, one's on the Corn Ferry Tour, right? I mean, he's just he's he's been playing all over. So you have to kind of look at this, um, zoom out a little bit and try to figure out what type of player Thomas Dietrich is. The good news is I do have the strokes gain from the European Tour. I obviously have the strokes gain breakdown from the PGA Tour. I have the results from the Corn Ferry, but they don't do the strokes gain breakdown. But we can get a pretty good example or a pretty good snapshot of, of who Thomas Dietrich is. Well, he finished T12 at the Fortinet and gained a ton of strokes off the tee there. He's a very good ball striker. He finished uh, T5 at the BMW PGA Championship. That is a premier, the premier event on the European Tour. Didn't play as well on the Corn Ferry at the end of last year. He had one top five, but he also missed two cuts in the final two events. But if you just look at this, um, it appears to me that he's a very, very good ball striker. Across the globe, he's gained at least three strokes in the ball striking categories six times in his last like nine measured events, 
which is really, really good. Now, he does it a lot more off the tee than he does on approach, but you'll see, you know, he gained four and a half strokes at the Kazoo Open in early August. He gained four strokes at the BMW International Open on approach alone. So he is capable of getting hot, and he's a very, very solid putter. I could see Thomas Dietrich uh, having a very good year and getting that started basically right now in Jackson. You know, would you rather play a Thomas Dietrich at 8,800 or a Sepp Straka at 8,900? And Straka has, uh, to his credit, started to figure out his game a little bit. His playoffs were phenomenal, but he was horrible before that. He has missed four straight cuts at the Country Club of Jackson. I think we know a little bit more about what Sepp Straka is. I think Dietrich is a little bit more exciting, a little bit more dynamic, um, hopefully a little less owned. They might be comparable, quite frankly. I don't think anybody's rushing to get access to Thomas Dietrich. I don't think anybody's rushing to get access to Sepp Straka. Again, we'll know more later in the week. In terms of safety, um, you know, Taylor Moore has just been a, a top 10 machine, right? He finished 17th at this event last year. I shouldn't say a top 10 machine, like a top 30 machine. Um, you know, the sixth place finish a handful of weeks ago at the Rocket Mortgage, and then he backed it up with a with a top five at the at the Wyndham. And then we saw him play a couple of playoff events, and he finished inside the, the top 30-ish at both of those, played well at the Fortinet, made the cut there. So he finds himself playing a lot of weekends. The one guy that I'm a little bit worried about is Seamus Power here. And if you guys have followed this um, channel for long enough, you know I'm, I'm, I'm usually quite bullish on Seamus. So here we go. There we go. Um, but what we're seeing from him is so bizarre. To say he limped to the finish line last year would be a generous statement. He finished T30 at the Horizon Irish Open, missed the cut at the Open Championship, missed the cut in Memphis, finished 65th out of a field of 70 at the BMW Championship. Not good. And even more concerning, he lost strokes on approach in all four of those, including eight. That's not a typo. He lost eight strokes on approach in two rounds in Memphis. That's one of his stronger stronger parts of his game. The other problem is uh, he's also lost strokes putting in four or five. That's also another strong part of his game. So we're talking about the two parts of his game that are normally the strongest that are the two parts of his game that I'd be most excited about for the Country Club of Jackson he's really struggling with. Now, we could say, hey, uh, it's been five weeks since we've last seen him. We gave... Uh, who did I give credit? Uh, Russell Henley credit by saying he's figured it out, you know, figured the putter out in five weeks. And we could say that for Seamus. I think it's a little bit more of a stretch to say that uh, Seamus is going to be able to fix his driver, which he's significantly below baseline, his approach play, which he's significantly below baseline, his putter, which he's significantly below baseline, than just saying Russell Henley's putting a little bit worse than he normally puts, which is generally kind of bad, right? Like, I'm just asking Russell Henley to go back to being a bad putter. I'm asking Seamus Power to go back to being a great putter, which he's far away from, being a great ball striker, which he's far away from. I don't know. It feels like more of a stretch. I can I can give, like, a couple of points in that favor for Seamus that it's been five weeks and hopefully he's had time to figure it out, but it feels like a, a little bit more of a leap than the leap that we took for Russell Henley. The other way to get in on Henley and to get in on power, if you're really willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, is, is going to be jock market. 
jock market is stock market DFS. You buy shares of golfers and then throughout the week, depending on their but depending on their finishing position, um, there are guaranteed payouts. So for example, Danny Willett, who coughed up the Fortnite championship, did not cash 150 to one tickets. Uh, he still got a $20 payout by finishing second. Well, he sold for $3.29 that week. So you you gained basically $17 of profit. You actually made more profit per share on Danny Willa than you did on Max Homa at the Fortinet Championship. So this is kind of an interesting way because it's it's so much based on sentiment. And I really, really, really don't think anyone is rushing to get um, Russell Henley, is are rushing to get Seamus Power. So if you do like that buy low opportunity, I think the jock market is kind of an interesting way to get them. Um, bidding will start Wednesday IPO where you bid on shares of golfers. That'll close Wednesday night. If you miss that, you can still buy. Like If you wake up Thursday morning, you can go buy shares of golfers. You can trade throughout the event. Use the code RICK. It'll get you a $100 deposit bonus. There's a link in the description. And if you want to see it in action, Wednesday night at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time, Joe Idoni and myself, we do a power hour. It's on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. So th- those are some guys that I think if if everyone is down sentiment-wise, you should be considering. The 7K range, this is kind of a little bit of a, not a dead zone. There are some interesting options, but there are some guys that really have my attention in the 6K range. So let's just kind of look at the 7s as a whole. And I've got the last 36 piled up here, and let's just go by um, strokes gained total. Justin Suh, wow. Missed the cut at the Fortinet Championship while everyone everyone was very excited about it. If you're willing to kind of zoom out, forgive and forget, remember that it's still six top nine finish or excuse me, five top nine finishes in his last eight starts, including a win on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, I the, for sure the Fortinet was not good. You know, first event kind of as a full PGA Tour member, could you cut him some slack there? I think maybe you could. Uh, Robbie Shelton here as well. Robbie Shelton, you can see four consecutive top 28s. He won a couple of weeks ago the Pinnacle Bank Championship. That's a a Corn Ferry Tour event. He had a top 25 at the Fortinet. Um, A little bit reliant on the putter, but we know that's important this week. I wish he was a a little bit of a better ball striker, but Robbie Shelton is interesting. Still very bullish on Austin Eckroat, right? Austin Eckroat made the cut at the Fortinet Championship. I think his weekend was horrible. Let me look through this real quick. We'll go to the Holy Grail, and I could fire up a couple of things on the Holy Grail in a second. Let's go Holy Grail, uh, Austin Eckroat, and I just want to see... His rounds here. Yeah. Okay. It was Sunday in particular. So he gains two and a half strokes on Thursday, two on Friday. That's great. Loses a quarter of a stroke on Saturday. Okay. Not the worst thing. Punts away five strokes on Sunday. So three out of those four rounds, he was really good. I was already bullish on him kind of before the year started. I I think I'd be more than thrilled to go back to a $71 Austin Eckroad. Justin Lauer who had a chance to win the Fortinet Championship, is not really a flash-in-the-pan type of guy. Look at this. That's five consecutive top 36s. It's back-to-back top 10 finishes at the Nationwide Children's Hospital and the Fortinet. I mean, this is a really strong stretch of golf from him. Putts really well, almost too well. Hits it okay. That's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Let's dive Davis Thompson because, again, we are trying to compare... A bunch of guys, a bunch of uh, across a bunch of different tours. We're looking for very spe- uh, specific set of skills, like Liam Neeson has. You look at a Fortinet Championship in which Davis Thompson finished inside the top ten, gained strokes across the board, 
3.7 in the ball striking categories and three and a half with the putter. That's really, really good. Had a decent stretch at the end of the corn fairy season. The very few, the very few measured PGA tour events that we have on him. He's a pretty decent ball striker. He hasn't putted well, but he putted well at the Fortinet. And and really the only other event, I mean, it's six months between measured events for him, which is kind of tough to tell if he's actually a good putter or not. I guess we could look up his corn fairy numbers. Hold on one second. He was 68th in putting average, um, which is kind of a crappy stat, but it's what we have. Converted a lot of birdies. 38th in birdie or better conversion percentage. Uh, 20, I mean, these are horrible stats, unfortunately. But I think he's average or maybe above average slightly in terms of in terms of being a putter. So, like, it's the fall, right? These guys that are hot, these guys that are able to find something, these guys that are high upside players. I mean, Davis Thompson, over the last 36 rounds, is the... Sixth best player, seventh best player in the seven K range. Like that's that's pretty indisputable. Um, now some of it's across the Corn Ferry Tour. Obviously, a really good Fortinet Championship. But like, I don't mind going to these guys that nobody's like. Is anybody going to want to play Davis Thompson? He's coming off a top ten at the Fortinet. Finished thirty fifth here last year. The more I stare at this, the more I'm going to play more of Davis Thompson. That just that makes that that makes a lot of sense to me. Let's just sort this by approach. Find the good putters as well. So Brandon Steele, number one in approach. He's probably dead last in putting. Uh, Lee Hodges has been okay, right? He's a good approach player and uh, a positive putter. Mark Hubbard as well. Will Gordon, that's probably a very small sample size of, of putting for him. But look at Will Gordon's last six events. So he's got... Two fifth-place finishes, that is Utah and Pinnacle. Those are Corn Ferry Tour events. He won the Albertsons. That was four starts ago. Made the cut and played well enough in the Corn Ferry playoffs. And then he finished 36th of the Fortinet. Is Will Gordon back? These are the types of guys that I'd be that I'd be buying into. Okay, um, we'll do 6K, and then we will do a model. We'll run a model. $6,000 range. All right, well, spoiler alert. I just showed you the guy that I'm probably most excited about. So let's just go down to him. It's um, Harrison Endicott, who, for the record, I saw Harrison Endicott. Endicott or Endicott? It has a Y. I believe it's Endicott. I saw Harrison Endicott hit one of the greatest shots I've ever seen hit in my entire life in person, standing about three feet away. So uh, this would have been in like 2020. After golf came back, I can't remember, but it was probably May of 2020. Was it May? The Corn Ferry Tour came to Las Vegas. They played at Paiute, which is a golf course I play all the time. There's three golf courses over there. I play, so I. It, it's weird to see professionals play a golf course that you play all the time um, because they obviously play it way differently. Harrison Endicott hit a golf ball into the desert, pin high, uh, 30 yards away from the green and it is just pure rock i don't hit out of the desert i'm not going to screw up my clubs he hit a spinny wedge off a rock short-sided to a pin where it landed once on the fringe stopped three inches away from the cup and he tapped it in for birdie on a par five i was shook i've never seen anything like it now obviously that shot 
uh, does not mean he's a good player. Uh, it means he's a great player, obviously, but it does not mean he's going to play well on specific tours. But let's let's look at this a little bit. So Endicott has a very Corn Fairy Tour esque profile from last year, which is a win in May, then a couple of weak finishes, a couple of missed cuts, and a couple top tens, then a top five in Utah in August, then he finishes well with like a top twenty, but then he misses the cut in a play. Like this this is a vintage Corn Ferry tour profile. High you you are incentivized to finish like to get like one win, three top tens, and miss the cut every like it's just that's the way that's the way you get your card. So he gets his card. Plays the Fortinet Championship and is fifth in the field in strokes gained approach. Gains across the board. Finishes T12. If we get any semblance of this version of Harrison Endicott for 60... I think he's $6,500. Yes, please. Yes, please. In the $6,000 range over the last 36 rounds, he's number one in strokes gained approach. Obviously, not all of those are going to be measured, so he has kind of a sample size advantage. But I, I'm quite quite bullish on this kid, and the 12th place finish of the Fortinet goes a long way. Uh, Carl Yuan, you can throw into the category of, you know, was quite popular at the Fortinet, missed the cut. Justin So was kind of in that category as well. Um, who else do we have here? Chesson Hadley, who I've gone back and forth on, and I've actually like I've I will probably write him up as a fade because he is incredibly volatile and you get miscuts and then top tens and miscuts and top tens. He at least does have the skill set that you would like, which is approach play and putting. Now he gives a lot of it back off the tee, which is a little bit worrisome, but I, I would not like destroy you for playing like I, I probably won't play Chesson Hadley, but I wouldn't destroy you for playing him. Um so flipping this back to the salary side of things. Uh, Callum Tarrant, who has missed two cuts in a row, including the Fortinet Championship. Can we see? Let's see what he did the Fortinet. Because I like this kid. Showed us a lot of upside last year. Lost a stroke and a half on approach. Gave way way more around the greens. Okay. That's something he rarely does. Yeah. Volatile. Maybe we'll take a wait and see approach on him. What else do we have? What else do we have here in the sixes? I thought there was one pretty good value when I was scanning through this earlier. Uh, it was a young guy. Who was it? Oh, okay. Uh, Nicholas or Nico Echevarria. So here he is. Uh, I'll pull up his, I'll pull up his stat profile. Another, another young guy who is, um, going to be a bit volatile. Let me pull him up. Uh, he did play the Fortinet. I think his, uh, I think his name is giving me issues. I'll get that corrected. But he did play the Fortnite. He missed the cut. T5, the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. Uh, T7, a couple of starts before that. Look, I mean, a bunch of top 10s earlier in the year. This is, again, a classic Corn Ferry Tour profile. He hits the ball a long way. Um, even in his missed cut last week, I think he was top 30 or 40 in, in driving distance. He drove it fairly accurately. Super, super talented young guy. Um and for 6200 bucks if he makes the cut you're thrilled anything outside of any any anything anything more than that is just like is stealing at the moment okay let's see if we can find some more with a model so i will run a model here uh, and this is the custom model at rickrungood.com i'll zoom in a little bit okay uh, how do we want to do this well i think it's pretty clear let's do last 36 rounds and um, let us do 
Well, we know we got to go on approach and putting. 25 on each of those. Those are historically very good correlators to success. Uh, but let's do then a little, just a little, a little sprinkle, 10 off the tee, 10 around the green to complete our weighted strokes gain total that we've created, our custom strokes gain total. It's over the last 36 rounds. So now what are we going to do? Um, okay. Well, what do we know about the Country Club of Jackson? It's pretty straightforward. It's a little bit long. I could give a little bit of a boost to driving distance, which uh, actually, let's go back and look at that. Was distance? Distance was ranked 13th. Okay, so that obviously gets baked into off the tee, but let's give it a little. Let's give it a little bit more. Okay, so let's give it. Uh, let's give it like five more. Right. So now we've got basically 15 off the tee five of them purely on distance and 10 on strokes gained off the tee, which includes distance. So now I've got 25 left. Uh, I don't care about greens and regulation. I don't particularly care about accuracy or any of these buckets. I could, um, what I could do is give another little boost to putting on Bermuda. Let's say five on Bermuda. So I've, it's a lot on putting, but let's listen, let's get freaky. Who cares? It's Monday. Uh, we've got 20 left. Now this is where I would normally just say like, fantasy points or fantasy points gained just because that's again it's like I say it every week like we're playing a fantasy point game why would i not weigh fantasy points so let's do fantasy points gained 20 my number one golfer is yeah no freaking surprise sam burns uh however <laughs> uh my number two golfer is davis thompson who I just said, the more I stare at this, the more Davis Thompson I'm going to end up playing. Well, now definitely, because uh, he is $7,200 and he is my second ranked golfer in my model. Scott Stallings is third. JT Poston is four. Thomas Dietrich is five. Sahith is six. Love. My, my six pack, the top six, love. Seven is Benny on. Wow. All right. So Benny obviously gets a big boost for distance, gets a big boost for off the tee, played well at the Fortinet, came up a little bit short. Surprised to see him there. 7,400 bucks. Will Gordon, who we kind of looked at and was like, is Will, Will Gordon back? Is eighth. Uh, Mark Hubbard, ninth. Chesson Hadley, 10. This is like when, remember at the Fortinet where I was like, man, I don't really like Trey Molinax, and then he became the number one golfer in my model. He ended up missing the cut, which was nice because I didn't really play much of him. Kind of a similar situation here with Chesson Hadley. Not as exaggerated. I'm not super bull. I'm like a four out of 10 on Chesson. The model loves him a lot more. Uh, 10 out of, you know, 140 guys. Taylor Montgomery's 11. Cool with that. I'll just read you the rest of the top 15. Taylor Moore, Emiliano Grillo, Ben Griffin, who's $6,300, and Robbie Shelton at 73. So that's very interesting. That's a really good mix of guys that I definitely like, um, guys that I could like, and like some guys that I'm not particularly high on, but really only one of those in Chess and Hadley. So this is a pretty good, this is a pretty good model for me. I'll I'll um I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. I think that'll do it. Again. Take a second, hit the like button, subscribe, all that stuff. It goes a long way. I really appreciate it. Um, let me know what you think about this week. Let me know who you think is going to win. Let me know who you think is a little bit underpriced. Let me know your thoughts on the Country Club of Jackson or how you did at the President's Cup last week. You can either tweet me. It's at Rick Run Good, or you can leave a comment below. Uh, best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.